Welcome to Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. And I am your host, Conrad Cushman, and we are here today with a retro review of the 1992 Royal Rumble. WWF superstars competing the Royal Rumble for the undisputed WWF Championship, including Jake the Snake Roberts, the Barbarian, the model Rick Martel, the Berserker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Nasty Boy Sags, Repo Man, Sergeant Slaughter, alleged real world champion Ric Flair, Hercules, Colonel Mustafa, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Skinner, the British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, the Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, the Texas Tornado, Virgil, The Undertaker, the Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. Happy New Year, Everything Pro Wrestling listeners. I told you yesterday that I would have a very special episode of the podcast for you, and here it is, the 1992 Royal Rumble Review. This show is going to be epic, guys. Now, before we get into the show, let's give some background on some of the facts behind everything. The 1992 Royal Rumble took place on January 19th, 1992 in Albany, New York in the Knickerbocker Arena. We had on commentary Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the ring announcer was none other than the Fink, Howard Finkel. This pay-per-view did a 1.8 buy rate, and it was a fascinating show, to say the least. Um, It is built basically around one match, and that one match is very key, very important. On a side note, the dark match for the show was Chris Walker versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Chris Walker picked up the victory in it. I did not know that until I did my research for this show. So very cool fact in case anybody else wanted to know that. Let's get into some of the stuff here with the Royal Rumble. Originally, the Royal Rumble was a Pat Patterson idea that goes all the way back to 1988. And I believe they even did this once before, and it wasn't the greatest idea. But back in 88, USA Network needed a special with the WWF at the time. And Pat Patterson's Royal Rumble idea came up, and the USA Network loved it. So Pat put it all together, and the original version of the Royal Rumble had 20 men, but soon was expanded to 30, and the rest is history. Pat Patterson is the genius for laying out and coming up with creative matches, so hats off to Pat Patterson for this. And I mentioned before that Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon are on commentary. I will say this, and you can put this stamp it, whatever you want to do. I will say that Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon have their greatest performance on this night. Those two may be, you know what, let's say arguably, the best duo ever to do wrestling commentary. Uh, They have such a connection that no one else I've ever seen had. You could tell that their friendship goes through all of this and how well they can read each other. And it's seen. And some of the stuff Bobby the Brain Heenan says, like I said, you can't say that stuff today. 
But Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon go together like peanut butter and jelly. It is perfect. Um, also, as you guys heard in the intro, I love the intro with Vince McMahon for this. The classic Royal Rumble cheesy music. It just reminds me of when I'm a five-year-old kid again um, in kindergarten. And I'm just like, oh, I wonder who's going to win the Royal Rumble. And then you hear that early 90s, late 80s music in the background. Love it. And I had to include that in there. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But enough talking about this. Let's get to the matches. The first matchup, we have the Orient Express with Mr. Fuji versus the New Foundation. Now, the Orient Express consisted of Kato and Tanaka, and the New Foundation was Owen Hart and Jim the Anvil Nineheart. Um, basically, the New Foundation was trying to put together the Hart Foundation once again, and I don't think it ever really connected with the fans the way they wanted it to. As a kid, I remember enjoying the tag team, but I just don't think it had that same connection like the Hart Foundation. And it was a little bit lost in the shuffle. Um, Kato and Tanaka, excellent tag team. Uh, very good to always put over another team. And I think their best match was at the Royal Rumble the year before against the Rockers. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, absolutely one of the best Royal Rumble openers of all time. If you've never seen that match, highly recommend you go back and check that one out too. But um, as soon as this gets started and, you know, the new foundations in the ring, Bobby Heenan's throwing jabs. He's saying Jim Neinhardt's crazy throughout the match, but I laughed at one of his very first jabs. Uh, he makes reference to the new foundation just getting up and Gorilla Monsoon says, why would you say that? And their attire were like parachute pants with like the, uh, I don't know, like race car, black and white checkerboard designs. And uh, he said that they're wearing their pajamas still. And Bobby Heenan got a little chuckle out of me for that. Heenan was always good for those corny one-liners and jokes. Um, So Bobby Heenan is talking about everything else in this match because it's the opening match. And they used to set up everything else for the night. And he's talking about Ric Flair, um, who he managed along with Mr. Perfect. And how there's concern over what number did Flair get, what's going on. And Heenan says he hasn't talked to him all day. And he's just trying to start stuff up with Gorilla Monsoon. And Monsoon's teasing, well, maybe Flair got an early number. Maybe he's number one. And they're building anticipation for the entire show. We get back to the in-ring action. Uh, The new foundation are showing their power with the anvil. And you're seeing speed and athleticism with Owen Hart. These guys were clicking on all cylinders and Owen was doing a lot of cool things in the match that you see nowadays. So Owen had a big influence on today's wrestlers. I believe Um, at one point there was a tope suicida where the anvil basically grabbed Owen and threw him himself through the middle ropes. And he dove out on uh, both competitors for the Orient express. Very cool spot. Another cool spot was Mr. Fuji putting his cane in the corner and Owen Hart went right into the corner with his shoulder. And I don't know if the cane was gimmicked or not, but the cane broke. And I thought it was over for Owen Hart, but he got his foot on the bottom rope. Um, so throughout the match, Owen takes a beating and he gets a hot tag. And they are clicking on all cylinders. And from there, I believe that the Anvil and Owen Hart pick up the victory with the rocket launcher. Because Owen Hart before this was known as the Rocket Owen Hart. And this is before he gets to any of his big fame um, going against his brother, Brett. But here you can see the makings of Owen Hart has something. He stood out in this match, in my opinion. And for that, I thought it was a really good match. And I give it a grade of a C+. Now we get into the backstage stuff. We're with Lord Alfred Hayes, 
who brings up Brett the Hitman Hart having a 104-degree temperature, and he went against doctor's orders in Springfield, Massachusetts, and lost the Intercontinental Championship to the Mountie. Oh, I just shook my head <laughs> even reading that. Um, as a kid, that was a story that we were always told to believe, and I think Bret Hart has admitted that he was sick during that time period, so it worked out for the storyline. But also, Bret Hart was having contract negotiations at the time because there was a chance that he could go to WCW, so they had to get the title off of him. So even before 1997, Bret Hart was thinking of going to WCW, and he had the negotiations. As we know later on, stuff didn't fall through for that. But at the time, nobody knew what was going on, had to get the belt off of him. So after the match, uh, the Mountie reverses a small package. As we can see, he beats Bret the Hitman Hart. He goes to attack Bret Hart afterwards with the title, and Rowdy Piper comes out to make the save. Piper basically gets involved in this, and they've been teasing this already with Piper. And Piper becomes the next challenger for the Intercontinental Championship. So we see an interview with the Mountie, and he's back there with Jimmy Hart saying that the Mountie always gets his man. And shout out to the Mountie who has his own podcast. Um, I hope he's listening to this when I give him the shout out. But the Mountie always says he always gets his man, and he says he'll be victorious tonight. And he actually complained, too, that Roddy Piper doesn't deserve a title shot. He should have fought Bret Hart in a rematch, and he should have won by forfeit because Bret Hitman Hart's not here tonight. Well, Rowdy Piper is backstage interviewing, and he's going crazy throughout his interview. Piper claims that he came tonight to win two titles. He's going to become the Intercontinental Champion and the World Wrestling Federation Champion. We get to the IC title match. The Mountie, who is the champ, versus Rowdy Piper. Um, Jimmy Hart's out there with the Mountie. Piper comes out like a man on fire, throwing the kilt at the Mountie and just beating the hell out of him as soon as the match starts. He's taking it to him all over the ringside area. And Piper still uses some of his dirty tricks with uh, finger pokes to the eyes and whatever he's got to do to win the match. He doesn't care because Piper's still a crazy man. Now, Piper uses the sleeper and he ends up winning his first and only WWE singles title. And Piper afterwards ends up using the shock stick, which is the Mounties taser. And it makes this corny noise that sounds like a bad doorbell. And the Mountie um, ends up getting out of the ring, running away with Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart took a bump in the match, too. And it was just very sad to see the Mountie's title reign come to an end that quick. Not that I was sad about it, but he had his, I guess, his 15 seconds of fame. And Rowdy Piper is now the Intercontinental Champion. This sets up what we have for a huge WrestleMania match. It's the IC title match, Rowdy Piper versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 8. I really enjoyed the setup for the match between Bret the Hitman Hart and Rowdy Rowdy Piper at WrestleMania 8 for the Intercontinental Championship, guys. Now, saying all that brings my attention to something. If you go back to our retro reviews, episode 5 of the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast, we covered WrestleMania 8. So if you want to listen to this, then go listen to that episode. It follows the pay-per-view flow of 1992 perfectly, so you guys will not miss out. Let's get back into this match card here. Now, the grade that I give for the Intercontinental title match was a grade of a C. It was a very basic match, but nothing to complain about, just average. What I would expect with someone working with the Mountie at that time, not bad. We get to the third match on the card. We have the Beverly Brothers with the Genius versus the Bushwhackers with Jameson. 
Ugh. All right. This is a comedy match that went on way too long. I think they had 15 minutes. So whoever booked this and gave them that much time, way too long for the Bushwhackers matches. Um, the Bushwhackers came in with their comedy, the usual stuff. I actually believe Jameson was a comedian as well at the time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me here. Let me grab a drink. Uh, Jameson was an improv comedian who um, saw Vince McMahon out at a show. Vince McMahon loved him, offered him a job to work with some of the guys. So he often worked with like Bobby the Brain Heenan and stuff. But I don't know. The character just didn't fit for me. He was kind of nerdy, had uh, glasses with stuff like taped up glasses. His shoe had tape around it. Uh, he had a sock that he was blowing his nose into, and he was eating a dinner roll out of his pocket. He looked like a nerd, basically. And he's going up against the nerd that everybody hates, who boasts himself the genius. Um, so they're the matchup for the managers, I guess, which was more of the storyline. Um, in the end, the Beverly Brothers pick up the victory. Um, I guess I'll just talk about each of these teams real quick for the most part. Uh, the Beverly Brothers, that spike finisher that they used to have, devastating if you've never seen it look it up on youtube they took out a lot of people especially a lot of local jobbers who came in to do the jobs for them man that finisher the spike was brutal um when it comes to the bushwhackers i, I it's weird so as a child i have a fond memory of the bushwhackers because that's someone who my parents would recognize uh, my uncles anyone who came in and was watching wrestling with me knew like oh that's the bushwhackers i know who they are now growing up i missed out on seeing them as the sheep herders they used to be this hardcore tag team from australia who did barbed wire matches all types of craziness but when they went to the wwf vince mcmahon was going pg and he wanted them to be the family friendly everybody can enjoy the bushwhackers they did all right i gave this match a d plus not that it's based on the talent. I just think everything was misused by whoever set this match up. Way too long, too much comedy for me, and I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of it for the time. This doesn't age well, I'll say, when we talk about the Beverly Brothers and the Bushwhackers, two teams that are were good at the time, but I don't think anybody's going to be raving about this match. Our next match is for the WWF Tag Team Titles. We have the Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk versus the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon with Jimmy Hart. This was a big man brawling match. And this match, they knew, cut the time down because it's the Natural Disasters and the Legion of Doom. Nobody's out here doing crazy dives like Owen Hart was in the previous match. Nobody. These are just big, heavy dudes who are going to be brawling and throwing haymakers. So the natural disasters end up winning by countout. I hate when teams like do the celebration that like they won the belts, even though it's a countout or a DQ. You guys know better than that. The titles cannot change hands unless unless there's a pinfall or submission in the match. But the natural disasters are in there celebrating like they won the belts. And Legion of Doom, they're not feeling that because they got counted out, held on the outside by Earthquake. And LOD comes back in with some chairs and they help them celebrate with some chairs across the back and LOD grab the gold and they go to work with those chairs afterwards. Um, 
the natural disasters end up going to the back and retreating with Jimmy Hart and Legion of Doom are in the ring. Legion of Doom were over in this match. Um, fans were really, really digging them. And I can appreciate that. LOD was one of the coolest tag teams back in the day. It had to be the shoulder pads with the spikes on them and the face paint. They were just cool. That's all I can say about it. Uh, overall, I gave this a grade of a C. It was exactly what I expected. Um, and you got to remember, too, in the early 90s, late 80s, there were a lot of like non-finishes on these shows for the middle matches because they were going to finish them up on superstars and stuff like that to get the conclusion. Overall, though, um, grade of a C, decent match. It was okay what I expected for it. And before we get into that, guys, there are some segments after this. We had Rowdy Roddy Piper talking about winning the IC title backstage, and now he's going to say that he is going to win the WWF title. Piper is a lunatic on the microphone. He's saying stuff that I'm like, I don't even know if this is appropriate. He's just going in about everything. And he talks so fast that you got to really listen to him to hear him. And he dedicates this match to his son, Colt. I don't know if anyone ever caught that while watching this, but very cool to see that. Um, We had Shawn Michaels, who is a new heel at this time. So he just left Marty Jannetty. He broke up the Rockers in the classic barbershop incident. And that is being talked about right here with Shawn Mooney. Uh, They talk about how Shawn Michaels is reprehensible for throwing Marty Jannetty through the barbershop glass window, which I think is one of the best heel turns that WWE ever did. Um, Shawn Michaels, he's coming off. He's not the star yet that you're going to see, but there's glimmers of this kid's got something and he's got the look. Give him a shot. So Shawn Michaels is just starting to come into his own on this pay-per-view. So it's really cool to see that when you're watching it. Um, What else do we have going on in here? We have basically the pre-tapes after that. So before the Royal Rumble would start, you would get people going backstage like, oh, why are you going to win the Royal Rumble? And they're backstage just talking it up like, oh, I've got to win this. This is my time, and I want to be the WWF champion. Uh, We had one from Macho Man, and these are like quick. They're like, you have 30 seconds. What do you want to say? And the Macho Man's got his back turned, and he's walking around like he usually is. You got Sid Justice speaking very low and looking at the microphone with all – I don't know if he's sweating or if that's just a water bottle dumped on his head. But Sid is doing like the pointing with his fingers, talking real low. Um, You have the Repo Man talking about how he likes taking things from people and he gets to take the biggest prize from 29 Superstars, the World Wrestling Federation title. He does his little laugh. The British Bulldog is in here and he's talking about how he's one of the favorites to win this because of how he's performed in past Battle Royals. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts is talking very low and he's talking about how he wants to be the World Wrestling Federation champion and he knows and we'll talk about everything else with the feuds and everything but i love these you had rick flair and mr perfect talking paul bear and the undertaker hulk hogan promising to win back the world wrestling federation title for all his little hulkamaniacs brother 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 and they're going through and they're doing all of that this leads us up to talking about the main event the 1992 royal rumble with the world wrestling federation title on the line so that we can crown an undisputed champion. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from Josh Burton and everything college basketball. Hey 
Hey everyone, I'm Josh Burton, inviting you all to come join the fastest growing group dedicated solely to college basketball, Everything College Basketball. Just go to Facebook and in the search bar type in Everything College Basketball. Once you've joined, feel free to begin chatting with other diehard college hoops nuts like yourself. Also, while you're there, go check out the podcast on Anchor, Podbean, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Just search up Everything College Basketball Podcast, and as always, like, share, and subscribe. Ooh, yeah! Dig it! Big shout out to Josh Burton and Everything College Basketball. If you guys enjoy classic and modern college hoops, then Josh Burton has the content for you. You guys need to look up his stuff. You won't be disappointed, I promise. Go Tar Heels. But let's get back into the 1992 Royal Rumble. We are at the main event, the Royal Rumble match with the World Wrestling Federation title on the line. But some of you are asking, how is the World Wrestling Federation title on the line? How did it become vacated? We have to go all the way back to the Survivor Series, 1991. Hulk Hogan lost the championship to The Undertaker with assistance from Ric Flair. Ric Flair put down a steel chair when Undertaker tombstoned Hulk Hogan, and The Undertaker picked up the victory and became the World Wrestling Federation champion. WWF president at the time, Jack Tunney, announced that there will be a rematch at Tuesday in Texas where Hulk Hogan will face off once again with The Undertaker. During that match, there was some controversy and shenanigans. Basically, in the finish, Hulk Hogan wound up taking The Undertaker's urn and throwing the ashes into his face, which sounds like a total heel move for him to do that. But afterwards, he rolled him up, one, two, three, and Hulk Hogan regained the World Wrestling Federation title. But after all this was done, Hulk Hogan ended up getting stripped of the title by Jack Tunney because of all the shenanigans with it. I mean, the man did throw the Undertaker's potential parents in his face. I mean, we never knew what was really in that urn, but... Come on, Hogan. Total heel move. So Jack Tunney holds up the title, and he basically says that he's got to figure out what he's going to do with it. It was later announced that the title will be on the line in the Royal Rumble. Now, we have not seen this happen in recent times until 2016. For a long time, I always wondered why they never put the World Wrestling Federation title on the line again in the Royal Rumble match. It worked out so well because I think this is one of the best Royal Rumbles. Well, to say the least, that it ended up happening with Roman Reigns, but I don't think it was as good of a Royal Rumble, in my opinion. And Roman Reigns ended up having to defend his title in that Royal Rumble, and that's where Triple H ended up winning. Whatever. So the beauty of this Royal Rumble, though, and why it's so great, is the multiple storylines that are going on inside of the Royal Rumble. Let's look at some of the people in this match. We have Hulk Hogan. He wants to win back the WWF world title once again after being stripped from it. And he really just wants to get it back. He's won the last two Royal Rumbles. He's going in as the favorite for this. At least in my mind, when I was a kid, that's what I thought. Now we have The Undertaker. The Undertaker also wants to reclaim the World Wrestling Federation title. He's the newer guy in the company and he wants to taste the gold once again. Then we get to Ric Flair. Ric Flair has been walking around since he debuted in the World Wrestling Federation with the big gold belt claiming to be the real world's champion. And this is Ric Flair's chance to put up or shut up. And can Ric Flair become the World Wrestling Federation champion? 
you have Roddy Piper, who the commentary team went out of their way to say he could make history tonight by winning the Intercontinental and World Wrestling Federation title, completely ignoring the Ultimate Warrior winning the belt at WrestleMania six from Hulk Hogan while he was the Intercontinental Champion. Just saying. So Piper has a storyline coming into this, and he still has the stuff with Bret Hart and the Mountie. You also have Macho Man Randy Savage and Jake the Snake Roberts. After Macho Man's big wedding with Miss Elizabeth and the cobra that was inside of their wedding gifts and Macho Man getting bit by the snake and the blood coming from his arm and Elizabeth getting slapped by Jake the Snake Roberts. It's one of those storylines that I feel isn't talked about enough and they ended it way too soon. But you have Macho Man and Jake the Snake Roberts that are ready to fight. Um, And when you actually see this match, Macho Man Randy Savage enters the Royal Rumble and he books it straight for Jake the Snake Roberts because he wants to fight him. That's the stuff that I love when it's in the Royal Rumble, that storytelling. Uh, We also have Sid Justice, and he's been in the main event mix, and he's ready to become the World Wrestling Federation champion. And let me just say this. Howard Finkel, you are the man. The Fink is on commentary, and he's doing a hell of a job explaining everything. And there's nothing better than hearing Howard Finkel explain the rules to the Royal Rumble or saying, and new World Wrestling Federation champion, whatever he's going to say. The Fink is the man. He just has that voice that reminds me of my childhood, and he was a really, really good ring announcer. So we get to the people who drew what numbers. The first person to come out for this Royal Rumble is the British Bulldog. And as I said before, the British Bulldog won a 20-man battle royal at Royal Albert Hall recently where uh, NXT performed. And the British Bulldog is there, and he is one of the people that everyone thought would be a favorite in his promo saying that stuff. He comes out at number one, a clear disadvantage. And then number two comes out, and it's the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, with Sherry. And this is kind of toward the end of Ted DiBiase's run, but he comes out there still. Everybody knows the theme when they hear it. He's getting the heel reaction. He's doing his job. Now, here's the weird thing. If you go back and watch this Royal Rumble, there is no music after the first and second entrant. And I don't believe that changed until around 1996 time period, 97, where everybody got entrance music in the Royal Rumble. Because after that, a buzzer would just go off and it's time for you to go out to the ring and fight. And just to make the point, number three in this Royal Rumble was the nature boy, Ric Flair. And it is hilarious on commentary to hear Bobby the Brain Heenan flip out i mean bobby heenan's going crazy over this like i can't believe that he's got number three. Oh, and it plays a big part into this whole thing and you have to make sure you go back in and watch it so right now going into this we know that the longest time held into the royal rumble match was rick the model martell at 53 minutes and some change gorilla monsoon and bobby the brain heenan this is their greatest announced performance ever, in my opinion. Uh, You have Bobby the Brain Heenan yelling things like, you've got to be fair to Flair. And Rick Rick Flair breaks uh, Rick the Model Martel's mark in this. He's number three, but he stays in there the entire time. And Bobby the Brain Heenan's sitting there, and he's like, oh, oh, I promise I'll be good no matter what after this. And Gorilla's just giving the sidelines here of, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. And then Bobby the Brain Heenan's like, oh, just give him the belt now. 
give him the belt now. And Monsoon's like, no, I won't. There's more competitors still to be in this match. And they just work so well off of each other. You guys have to go back and listen to it. Like I said, their greatest performance ever. Um, Also, side note, I wrote, I miss good commentary teams that aren't overproduced. Side eye at the current state of WWE. Um, So we get Ric Flair, and he's in there, and he mixes it up with everyone in this Royal Rumble. We saw Ric Flair battle it out with the British Bulldog. Haku, who Bobby the Brain Heenan flipped out on because that was someone he had managed at one time. A young Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, the same guy who would end up retiring Ric Flair after WrestleMania 24. Just crazy to think about that, that Ric Flair would be wrestling in the company like 16 years later after the fact in 2008. Just amazing. So... We get to see him fight other guys. Greg the Hammer Valentine was in there with him. Uh, He put him in the figure four leg lock. We had the Texas Tornado. They have history going all the way back to Texas when they fought in the big stadiums down there. We have Rowdy Rowdy Piper and him mixing it up, who they're actually best friends. And Piper and him were going at it. There was even a point in the match where Bobby the Brain Heenan's like, it's a kilt, I tell you, because he helped him out. And Piper's like, Piper, it's a kilt. And then when Piper turns on Flair and starts pounding on him, it's a skirt, that freaking idiot, I hate him. And just so funny to hear Heenan do all this stuff. Um, even Big Boss Man, ooh, Big Boss Man takes a nasty spill onto the floor in this one. He goes to, like, dive at Ric Flair, and Ric Flair ducks, and he kind of goes underneath, but his, like, neck gets caught on the bottom rope and just look disgusting. And you know what? Let me sidebar it real quick. Another nasty elimination was Sergeant Slaughter and Sid Justice. Sid ended up Irish whipping Slaughter into the ropes. And I, I don't know if he went too hard into the ropes or if this was the spot. But Slaughter ends up like jumping up and ramming his shoulder into the post. And you could clearly hear it. And it's the most awkward like elimination I've ever seen in a Royal Rumble. But, ah. Uh. So for any of you guys who like to see that type of stuff, you can go back and check those out for eliminations. Back to who Ric Flair worked with, though. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, Hogan, Sid, he was in there with everybody. Now, let's get back to the botched eliminations a little bit here. Macho Man Randy Savage. At one point in this match, Macho Man ended up eliminating himself in this Royal Rumble. And this just proves that sometimes with the Royal Rumble, there's inconsistent rules. So Savage ends up eliminating Jake the Snake Roberts, and he's supposed to go out and attack him some more. What does Savage do? He does his patent, jump over the top rope, and land onto the floor on your feet, which killed Savage's knees. Like As soon as I saw that, as someone who used to play basketball, I knew, like, dude, you don't want to keep doing that to your knees over and over again. But Savage always did it. And he's out there, and he's basically beating the crap out of Jake the Snake Roberts. And he eliminated himself. And Bobby Heenan said, what an idiot. Why did Savage do something like that? Unbelievable. So after that, Macho Man ends up basically fighting. Undertaker comes out there to try to pull him back into the ring so that they can do whatever they're supposed to do. But when you go in there and you see it, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan are trying to like justify it after the fact. So Heenan probably gets a note or Vince McMahon yells to him to say something. And he says, oh, you have to be physically thrown over by someone else to be eliminated. So Macho Man Randy Savage is still in the Royal Rumble. And they go through and say all that. And Monsoon says, I'll, I'll take your word for it, Bobby. And he gets to come back into the ring. But 
Think about the Royal Rumble 2001. Drew Carey jumped out of the Royal Rumble himself and got eliminated. It's just weird to see the inconsistent rules sometimes if you've been watching this for a long time. And maybe I'm just digressing upon it, but whatever. So we get to the Royal Rumble match. Like I said, it was really fun. Star-studded names all over the place in this one, um, including uh, the young Shawn Michaels, Bulldog, all those people I mentioned before. But we get down to the final four. We have Macho Man Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan, The Nature Boy Ric Flair, and Sid Justice. Macho Man gets eliminated once um, there was just like a collision and Macho Man fell out the ring. So now we're down to the final three. We have Hulk Hogan, Flair, and Sid. Hogan throws Flair into the corner for the classic Flair flip, but it didn't work. So Hogan basically punches him and tries to throw him over the top rope to get an elimination. It's not working, and Sid's standing over there on the sidelines just watching like, well, screw this. Hogan's not looking. I might as well dump him. He dumps Hulk Hogan out of the ring, and the crowd actually cheers. And if you go back, and there's edited versions of this where they have the crowd booing and F all that. That's not what really happened. (laughs) He basically eliminated him from the match, and the crowd cheered for it a little bit. And there were more cheers than boos, I would say. Not saying it was 100% like everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 but... There were Hogan still had his fans, but a lot of people cheered that Hogan was out, probably because we were going to get a new World Wrestling Federation champion. Hogan sits out there and he's crying. And on the edited commentary, Gorilla Monsoon said, How could you respect someone who didn't eliminate you to your face? Dude, it's every man for themselves. Like you said that in the beginning of this, and that's what the whole basis of the Royal Rumble is. Like when Axis Smash drew one and two, were they supposed to just sit there and wait? No, you fight and it's every man for themselves, whoever wins. So Hogan's sitting there and he's complaining to Sid and he eventually grabs Sid's arm and starts pulling him over the top rope a little bit. And Flair comes from behind and Hogan ends up basically pulling Sid out of the ring with Flair's help. And in the end, the nature boy, Ric Flair is the last one standing in the ring. And Ric Flair has become the undisputed world wrestling federation champion. Overall grade for this Royal rumble, a freaking plus. Nobody had won from the number three until the Nature Boy Ric Flair did it, and it was an amazing feat to see. Ric Flair did a heck of a job winning from that number. It's a monumental Royal Rumble for all the names that are in it, lots of Hall of Famers, lots of guys who would later on become great wrestlers in this as well, Um, from Shawn Michaels to others, the British Bulldog. These guys weren't into that main event picture yet, but they were going to get there. Now. We get to the backstage part, guys. We get to President Jack Tunney, and he presents Ric Flair backstage with the World Wrestling Federation title, my favorite version of the belt, the Winged Eagle. And, man, so we're backstage. Real quick, laugh out loud moment, too. Who was Mean Gene Okerlund talking to when he said, put that cigarette out? If anybody's got the backstory on that, please let me know, because I would love to hear what happened with that? I'll, maybe I'll do some research afterwards on it. But Mean Gene yelled at someone in the middle of this whole thing, like, put that cigarette out. And they had the camera crews all back there taking pictures. So I don't know if it was one of those guys or if it was like fake press back there and someone was smoking a cigarette because Vince hates smoking, whatever. So Flair is getting the title and he cuts one of the best promos, I think, in my opinion, in his career. Uh, I call it uh, with a tear in my eye promo because he starts it off with a tear in my eye. 
This is the greatest moment of my life. And he holds up the World Wrestling Federation title and says that this is the only title in wrestling that matters. <laughs> that was a nice F you to Jim Hurd, that Spartacus character in WCW. And you knew that's what that was about. And good for Flair on that one. Um, and it was a great performance by Ric Flair um, in the ring and even backstage. Ric Flair's back there with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. Perfect. And Bobby the Brain Heenan's back there, you know, still being the weasel. I knew Ric Flair had this. I knew he was going to win the World Wrestling Federation title. And he deserves it. And Mr. Perfect gets his famous line in there. We're not the kind of guys to say, I told you so, but. And then they all come in, I told you so. And they do the classic, woo, woo. And they're all doing it. And then they give one last, woo. And they walk away. And what an amazing performance. And like I said, guys, this story was told with all these other storylines mingling in. And Ric Flair basically proved that he is the real world's champion now. And where does that lead to for WrestleMania? And if you guys listen to that retro review, we get into all of the matches that were kind of botched that they never really did with Ric Flair for WrestleMania. It was announced that it was going to be Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan, but then that got switched and it ended up becoming Flair and Macho Man and Hogan versus Sid Justice. I don't know why that happened. We'd have to ask Vince McMahon one day because nobody seems to really know why. But overall, guys, I give this show an overall of a B. One match can save a show sometimes when there's few matches on the card like that. And that's exactly what the 1992 Royal Rumble did. It is still my personal favorite Royal Rumble match. Uh, there have been many good ones, though, and it's hard to book a bad Royal Rumble match because it's so exciting and it's always so much fun to listen to and watch with your friends. Just a perfect show. But, guys, I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this Royal Rumble? <laughs> Thank you for listening to a classic review of the 1992 Royal Rumble. Do me a favor, guys. Check the description box and look at my YouTube channel. I have 233 subscribers right now. I would love to get it to 250 because on Friday, I will have an exclusive review on the YouTube channel for Wrestle Kingdom 13. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit after the show. I would love to have you guys subscribe to the channel to check it out. Also, check out my Facebook official page for EPW and also check out the EPW group on Facebook and give us a follow at EPW Show. Thank you guys for listening. We're out. Peace.